Should you take that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm Allie Grant. And I'm just you. Welcome to Follow Me, your resource for all things influencer. Brought to you by B Social Group. Now, let's see who we're following this week. As a creator, any creator that wants to get into the television round or, or that round, I would just say learn how to talk to the big camera, not just your little phone camera. It's a very, very big difference of talking through to that audience and knowing how to talk to somebody else because most of the times you're by yourself talking to the camera. But what happens when somebody else comes into the mix? Can you hold that interview conversation? Hey guys, welcome back to the Follow Me podcast, your resource for all things influencer marketing. Ali here with Jessica. Hello, Jessica Mijongu. <laughs> that was very formal, Jessica. <laughs> was that your Korean name? Yeah. What is it again? Mijong. I love it. So beautiful. Thank you. Do you ever go by that? No, Mimi? Mijong? No. Yeah. Like do your parents don't call you that or anything? Mm, like as a joke. Oh. But like my parents say like, Jessica. What is that? Jessica. Uh, Jessica, but in their first gen Korean immigrant voice oh have I ever met your parents I don't know my I feel dad? like I've seen your dad he like used to bring you lunch or something no at the my dad brought me flowers for valentine's days when I was single. yes 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 he brought them to the office he brought them to the office took me out to lunch and was like how are you and I'm like um I'm well <laughs> my dad's the sweetest he's like oh like your sister has her husband to like do that for her on valentine's day but you're single <laughs> Dad, that is like I'm too emotional. Love oh my you, God. Dad. What are we following this week? Your dad? Like, should we just? Does he, is he on Instagram? Do we follow him? My dad? No, he's not on Instagram. Oh. He's very private. Okay. Well, he, I have a follow me for the week. Is that what we call them? Sure. Let's do it. Let's okay. brand it. Follow me. I have to like read the screenshot, but I read this article in the New York Times called "Is There Life After Influencing." Someone sent it to me, which is so funny because I'm like, thank you. I've like built my career around this. Like, <laughs> kind is, of like is, shade. Yeah. I'm like, is my career over? What are you telling me? But it was actually a really interesting article. But it's about this girl, Lee from America, who is like this lifestyle wellness influencer with like 400,000 followers who all of a sudden one day decided to just like quit influencing. And she's like, I'm done. And the only thing I want is like a real corporate job. Like she was like, I'm done. So I think she like moved into like a tech like company and whatever. But anyways, which I get like if I totally get, you know, it's like it's it's a lot. It's influencing is a lot, especially she kind of went through some like cancel culture moments and she just was like burned out from it quits it. But now this article is about how she's launched these like webinars or workshops that help influencers leave influencing. (laughs) It's wild. It's really wild. And like, kind of like, what are your career steps from there? Like, how do you get a job in corporate America? And what does that look like? And all of this. So read it if you've not. It's called Is There Life After Influencing? It's on the New York Times or in the New York Times. It's just really interesting. That... Okay. I have so many thoughts about this. (laughs) I agree with you. I think being an influencer and building an actual business of it, it's really, really hard. It's, I think it's harder than just like building, I don't know, your own online business or whatever it is. It's about your personality and it's about your audience. If your audience isn't there, then you're never going to make a business out of it. And that's very exhausting, I'm sure. I also think there's like an appeal to corporate life, honestly, because like you get its stability. Yeah, you get a paycheck every two weeks. Um, you have a 401k. You know, I love a 401k. You do love a 401k. <laughs> yeah. I love a corporate world. You have health insurance. You have stability. And I think the influencing 
influence space. It's like one month can be really lucrative. One month can be, you make absolutely nothing. And that roller coaster of like income like that, where it's not stable is scary and stressful. And there's a lot that goes into being an internet personality with people who follow and comment and have so many opinions on what you say and don't do. It's exhausting. And I know a lot of creators who it's a, an emotional roller coaster too. Like yeah. it's not just, you know, financial. So I understand why she would be burnout. Like I would be burnout a hundred percent. That's very interesting that she's creating a whole webinar series around yeah. Yeah. how to quit your- Quit influencing and just go. But I mean, because there's skill sets you have from influencing, right? Which is like communication and emails and editing and like all these things. So there's a lot that you could do. Go work on social media, go do so many things. If so, you're an influencer that needs, that yeah. wants to quit, influencing a needs job, hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> Send your resume. <laughs> yeah. Because you'd be a great talent manager in yeah, theory, right? Yeah. Totally. Because you get the space. So anyways, well, let's get into our guest. Emmy award-winning host Roxy Diaz is currently a contributor to ABC's GMA and an ABC News contributor. Best known as the former host of BET ultra-popular mega music show, 106 in Park, Roxy has interviewed everyone from Lady Gaga to President Obama. With a massive social media presence, Roxy reaches millions of followers across all platforms. I love this episode. I feel like we really got to chat through kind of what it takes to be in traditional media from like radio to broadcasting and kind of what that means today with new media, influencing content creation and kind of that evolution that she's taken and like other people have taken in this space. So good listen. Hope you enjoy it. Follow us. Hit that subscribe button. No, I'm serious. Yeah, subscribe. Please subscribe. Follow us at Ali Grant. <laughs> at Jessica, you would. Jess, you. Okay, goodbye. Excited to have you here. Finally, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I got to make it in. <laughs> and you changed your outfit with an outfit I change. I did. I had a, a wardrobe change in the car. It was like, oh, audio, yes. Yeah, no video. Take off this Zimmerman top. Ooh. Everybody on Santa Monica Boulevard got a show. If you were looking oh, I into love my that. Car. Roxy's boobies on yeah. Santa Monica Boulevard. Oh, I would watch definitely show. had a little yeah. ad. Play, so. so nice good. ad skims. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. we're excited to chat with you today. I think this is something I've always said. Like, obviously, we're in the business of influencers and creators. Mm-hmm. But the original influencer to me is someone who's had a career in media, right? Like an editor or kind of your career, for mm-hmm. example. And I want to chat through that. Like, how did you get your start in media? Well, I started off as a radio personality. My career started really, really young when I was 17 years old. And I was working at a radio station as a street team member, which is like the coolest freaking job ever. Like anybody that wants to start anywhere in radio, street team is where it is. And from there, worked my way up. I didn't go to school for radio, broadcasting, communications, or any of that. I am in school currently right now for it. But I learned everything that there was to learn about the radio station, from working the boards to being really close with the program director and the music director, how to pick the songs, learning from the disc jockeys, how to come in and out of breaks, you know, all of that stuff. I always said that radio is an amazing foundation to anybody who is trying to pursue anything in communications, like even on television. Like my foundation in radio helped me be the television personality that I am today because it taught me how to read, read liners, Mm -hmm. be live, you know, count down in your head, be spontaneous, whatever something would go wrong, you know, live television. So um, radio definitely did help me with that. 
I think also with timing with radio, because mm-hmm. you need to hit certain lines and mm-hmm. keys to make sure that it's like appealing to the audience, but also you're working off a set schedule, exactly. right? Exactly. You have your clock and then you have your liners or whatever you have to get in for the station. And now I couldn't even imagine seeing what a radio clock looks like right now because it's usually it's one thought per break is the motto. And then you have a 30 second break or a minute break. So we were the original Instagram reel of 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> 15 seconds. We were the done. original Vine, if you really think about it. The 15 so seconds were us, you know. Yeah. Because uh, th- all you had was 15, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, or 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they really frowned upon 60 seconds. Because, you know, as listeners on a station, you want to hear the music. You don't want to hear, mm-hmm. you don't the conversation. hear talk or conversation. You want to hear what the next song is going to be on local radio. Uh, now, as we get older, podcasting, all we want to hear is talk. So it's really I funny. I kind of shifted. It, it shifts, it shifts. And yeah. I think like kids now are like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be an influencer. But when I was growing up, I was like, I want to be a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. I want to be a VJ. Mm-hmm. Like those were the things that I saw yeah. or like a media editor, like working at Marie Claire or whatever. And you live that life. And so you didn't go to school for it. I did go to school. I was in school kind of just doing, you know, your undergrad stuff. Mm -hmm. I was in like advertising and was not a passion and all. But when I got sucked into the radio life, I... I blossomed and I got offered a job in Boston at the time to be a full-time personality. And Boston is in the top 10 markets, which is something that's really hard as a new person to get into. So my mentor at the time, Russ Parr, who was a syndicated radio personality for uh, Radio 1 at the time, he was like, you can always go back to school, but you can never just start in the top Mm -hmm. 10 market. He's like, go. He's like, you're going to starve. You're going to eat pizza and ramen noodles. You're going to have a shitty ass apartment, but Go. Go for the experience. And go, and I did. Mm-hmm. And it was like the best thing that I ever did because it really launched me into just a career into mm-hmm. radios, which was really, really great. And then so, what was the segue to move into 106 and Park, which really is when your career took off? Well, it's funny because you remember, you remember I Want to Be a VJ and MTV used to do those like, yes. I Want to Be a VJ contest. I do remember yeah. that. Were you in that contest? Well, BET did a similar version where they called it the New Face Search. And basically what they did is they, I don't know how many people, I feel like the number gets bigger every time I have an interview about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like a trillion. I'm going to say it's like a yeah, trillion people. No, I believe they, over 10,000 people may have auditioned, maybe more. Wow. And from 10,000, they picked five. And from five, they picked two. And that was Terrence J and I that ended up being the host of 106 and Park. So yeah, it was literally a casting cattle call, American Idol, come no. sleep at, you know, that outside, get in the line. I just wanted to be one of the first 100. That's all I cared about. Yeah. And it was a February in Chicago. And they didn't know that it's cold in February in Chicago. So you were camped out American Idol style, waiting in line. Yeah, I think my number was like 75 or 79 in the line. Yeah. And that's what I did. That's like true dedication. It was, yeah. yeah. I was so motivated back then. (laughs) (laughs) So into it back then. Well, it paid off because it it worked out. Yeah, it definitely paid off. And of course, for those who know, 106 was a great, great, great start in television. It taught me, I owe a lot. I owe my career to that show. Mm -hmm. So I have a very high admiration for 
BET, Deborah Lee, Stephen Hill, who I call boss to this day and is a dear friend of mine and um, and what they've created. The people that work at BET, a lot of few people know, you know, like Jesse Collins, I worked with him. He's now one of the biggest producers for all things Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, Super Bowls, you know, like mm-hmm. he's the guy that's putting those big award shows together. A lot of people came from BET, so got to give props to props to do. Was your idea, like kind of getting into media, the thought to eventually be on TV? Or did you want to kind of go into radio, stay into radio and just kind of figure it out? I was happy in radio. I was very successful at it. I was, you know, I had a great life in Chicago at the time. I probably would have been married with kids and still being on the radio in Chicago had I not gotten 106 in part. But, you know, God puts things in your path that you don't always plan, but it's his plan, not your plan. And so it was one of those things that it's just been just riding this amazing wave. And it's been, it's been really, really, really great. I did not see TV in my future or, or any of that. So it was, it's cool how it's happened. It sounds almost easy the way it happened, but it's not easy. Yeah. But it, it was pretty amazing how it did happen because a lot of, n- nobody now gets those type of chances unless you are a breakout YouTuber, Instagram star. That's yeah, the way yeah. to do it or now. Or American Idol or things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you think about it, when I was doing 106 and doing music, I mean, YouTube was the way that people were getting found at mm. that time. So, you know, you have Sean Kingston's and, you know. Justin that, Bieber. Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber's. It was yeah. like, oh, that was the wave. So every generation has their new wave of how talent is found. Yeah. And how long were you on that show for? Seven and a half years. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's like a lifetime in TV. It felt it, <laughs> in TV, in yes, because it's funny because I used to be like, oh, well, three years, that's usually the VJ life, you know, yeah. oh, then four years. Oh, oh, okay, five, six. I was like, what the hell is going on? It's super unheard of, you know? And then after seven and a half, I think we were getting a little too old for it. And uh, <laughs> the viewers were getting younger and it was just time for a change for them and, and for us as well, so... I also think in any career that being able to pivot, like Mm -hmm. you said, when new generations come, there's new trends, there's new stories to talk about. Mm -hmm. How have you kind of rode or ride the wave of like those changes? It's what's the beautiful thing about my audience. They're young and then they're also my age as well, you know, and I think that when you're into what you're into, there's going to be a a a whole pool of people and community that are into the same things that you're into as well. I try to stay as topical as possible, but I also am true to myself and my age because I'm I'm 41 now. So it's like, you know, there's different things that interest me now that I know interest a lot of people my age too. And so I think when you're able to stay topical and on trend and are able to articulate and talk to all multiple genres. I always say that in this business, you kind of have to be a chameleon. You have to blend in with whatever audience is your audience or at all. If I'm at a younger music countdown show, you know, I'm going to talk that lingo. But if I'm at, you know, entertainment tonight and I'm talking to, or if I'm at, well, Good Morning America now, you know, it's a different audience and you just have to know how to play to your audience. And I think that's the biggest key to anybody, podcasters, radio personalities, television personalities, is know who your audience is at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think too, with interviews, when my favorite interviews, like on TV, radio, podcast, or whatever it is, it's not necessarily the question that's being asked. It's about the conversation more so. Mm -hmm. It's about that flow. And I really feel like there's a true, true art to that. It is. Yeah. Especially on a national level, like GMA or TV, even like broadcast radio. It's 
Have you had so like super awkward like questions <laughs> or answers before where you're like, what the hell? Try like, what inter- am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Try interviewing Marshmallow or like one of those Does characters. He have his, like, Does he have his thing on? And there's like no. nobody. Or, yeah. Yeah. They're Dead Mouse or any of those guys. Like, it's like, oh, this is like I don't like even know they have voices. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> but then you're on a show and then you're supposed to interview them. You're like, what? At this time, I'm like, what are you supposed to do? You Wait, know, are you say, holding the mic up to yeah, like that? Kind of do. And he's just like making gestures, you know? So it's kind of funny. And um, no, but there's always been like awkward moments. And as a personality, you can either take advantage of that and make a great moment. Like for me, interviews aren't about like, what's going to be my next question or because really your next question is from listening to whatever that whatever was asked or it's coming Mm -hmm. from whatever I'm saying uh, right now. It's how can I create a moment that will go viral that is like 30 seconds? Mm. What do I do? How do I create that for television? So for me, for instance, at a movie junket with Mark Wahlberg, who I've known Mark forever because of 106, it's not about the interview. It's about there's a football right on the side. I'm like, go long. And we're playing catch mm-hmm. on the set of, I don't even know what it might have been. I don't even know what movie it was in Japan. And what played on the air was me playing catch with Mark Wahlberg. It wasn't mm-hmm. even so much about the interview. So it's like taking advantage of situations like that, even on radio. It's, you know, us talking about Invisalign and me pressing record as I'm taking Invis- <laughs> my Invisaligns out. Like, this is disgusting. But how many people are probably going through the same aligner set thing? Yeah. You, you, that's a moment. You play it. Yeah. You know, because it humanizes whoever it is that you're talking to at the end of the day. We're all humans at the end of the day. We end up interviewing people that people put on a pedestal. But then when you're able to humanize them, that's what makes it even better. By the way, Roxy's aligners are right next to me. I'm saying yeah, <laughs> they are. They're in a napkin somewhere. I did, I, I did use my denture cleaner this morning. So just best way to clean aligners for your, Oh, no. Yeah, I yeah. have a retainer that I wear. You need to get the like Magnasonic little machine from Amazon. Mm. It's like really game changer. The interview just went all the way left. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know that though. I did read <laughs> that you interviewed Obama. Yes, I did interview him for 106 in Park. It, 106, BET in general was instrumental during the Obama administration and during his campaigning. Of course, being a Black entertainment television network, they were 1,000% behind President Obama. And so we got an opportunity to interview him um, during 106. It was via Skype at the time, okay, which was cool. But then when... We left, I think the next following year, he came to the studio. We were like, what? That's like, crazy. So, but what um, were the thoughts going through your head? Oh, I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I worked two, two freaking elections and I still hadn't gotten like a picture with the man yet. But they're amazing people and they're big fans. They were big fans of the show, mm-hmm. big fans of myself and my co-host at the time. And I did a lot of work with them during the campaign. So they were familiar with who I am. And so that was the reason why I actually was requested when it came time for the second inauguration, I think. And I was at Entertainment Tonight at the time and the White House called and said we would like Roxy to come and not only interview the first lady, 
take part in the inaugural celebrations, but then it was the Easter egg roll. And then it was like all these invites that I was getting to the White House. And then it was like, sit down with President Obama. Can you and, imagine that? Yeah. Do you have them on like speed dial or something? Yeah, it just I says wish. like White House. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Instead I of mom, it says White House. No, yeah. I wish. I wish. I totally <laughs> wish. But um, I do have his picture, like the same picture, like three places in my that's just the same picture. It's like, one in the night and one in the living room. Oh, no, me and him. Okay. <laughs> me and him. And I also had the first lady as well. Like, I saved everything from that moment. Like, the invite to the house. Like, I would too. Even, like, the honey bear that they give you and the jelly beans and all. I have everything. <laughs> I would <laughs> save, like, yeah. the clothes that I was wearing that night. Yeah, and just, I don't like, even right. know if I have that yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't that's know if I have incredible. that I want to go look for it, Jess. Thank you. <laughs> and also, it. just, like, shows your ability. Like, you can one minute be interviewing Obama, talking politics, mm-hmm. to then... I don't know, interviewing Lady Gaga the next, where it's like such different conversations. Well, I think with any interview, you have to have an interest in whoever that person is that's sitting across from you. And maybe you don't have interest in that person. You got to fake it, you know, you got to fake it. And and there's got to be something that that person says that's going to strike a nerve with you. There has to be some commonality between you and the person that you're interviewing that to where you can spark something. I mean, come on. I definitely was not interested in every single person that I've had to put a mic right. in front of their face. Like, for sure, I wasn't. But there there has to be something. Larry King has a book called The Art of Talking to Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime. Oh, I want to read that. You must read that. Yeah. Especially because the little preparation that Larry King used to do before an interview is what made him such a great interviewer. It's because just like you ladies are doing now, you did some work, but at the same time, like I can see you're avidly listening to me to figure out what do I ask next or Mm -hmm. what I say next. And a great interviewer is a great listener. And that's really the secret. My gosh, I hope we pass your test. Okay. Yeah, no, you're really great. You no, I feel like for me, like we get these like sheets from our mm-hmm. producer beforehand. Yeah. I actually don't really like reading them. I, yeah. I when when the link was sent to me, yeah. I was like, shit, this is doing all the work. Like, <laughs> this is like, what do you have to do? You know? Yeah. And I was very curious. I'm not going to lie. I was very curious. I was like, well, how much do they read that page? And how much do you have to depend on your notes? Yeah. Because most times you don't get a chance to look down at your notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, And I think your audience can tell too, if mm-hmm. like we were reading the one sheet yeah. and your responses and the questions are like question, answer, question, answer. Yeah. And there's like that cadence. Yeah. But I agree with you. It's all about listening. And in terms of like whether you're interviewing someone or you're just having a conversation mm-hmm. with someone that you want to connect like at a networking mm-hmm. event or whatever it is, Truly the best conversations that I've had, it's not because like I've been wondering like, okay, like let me ask this question. It's really about like, okay, like they're talking about this. How mm-hmm. can I relate it back to what my feelings are? Exactly. What my thoughts are. So yes. I really resonate with that. It's almost like a dinner chat at, at a table of people that you don't really know. And you're like, mm-hmm. how do I get into this conversation? And mm-hmm. how do I, you know, finagle or show interest? Because you don't want to stay quiet during it, during a conversation. Yeah. yeah. You want to try to like add something of value to that conversation. So it's the art of interviewing 101. My book will be coming out. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> seriously, oh, though, like, yeah. <laughs> outside of being in radio or broadcast or a creator, like, just in corporate America, like, being able to have yeah. these conversations with your boss, your clients, or whatever, it's, like, the key to success. Mm-hmm. No, totally. And I think, too, going back to, like, corporate America life, you know, with COVID, a lot of recent college grads, they started their first jobs not in the office. It's like very remote. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll really, really affect the way that they build relationships and networking mm-hmm. unless you can kind of break outside of that and really understand like work ethic or like yeah. workplace ethic and community. 
It's yeah. interesting. I never even thought about like the networking, mingling, inner office exchange that you have and how, because I'm personally a fan of working from home now. I'm like, <laughs> I dig this, you yeah. know, but it is true. I guess companies have to have those like powwow breakout sessions, go retreats and all of that stuff in order to keep that camaraderie together. But you can still also have that via Zooms. And mm-hmm. I think what this, the new workforce is having also is that people are coming up with their own businesses and working with their friends mm-hmm. and working with people that are likely as excited with whatever the project is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then there's camaraderie. I know a lot of businesses that started, especially be- during the pandemic and that's what it was. It was just that commonality of mm-hmm. group of people and they Community. could sit there and talk yeah. for hours about whatever it is and never been in the same room together. Yeah. It's crazy. So Thanks, true. Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never used to know what Zoom was like before the pandemic. Yeah. Like I never used it. Sky- mm-hmm. I think we used Skype. Skype. Yeah. 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 Even just conference calls were always just like on a phone or like mm-hmm. a teleconference yeah. thing. Like you would never And let me tell you, some video. Zoom meetings that I do right now could be just a phone call. Like, exactly. Let me just say, uh, yeah. Zoomed out. Well, sure. my new thing is I do walking calls. So <laughs> I don't go on video anymore because um, I'm walking when I like okay. am on my calls. And okay. I feel like I pay attention so much more. I find myself so distracted when I have like my uh, Slack in front of me or my like whatever. Uh This is just like I'm in the call and I'm listening and that's it. And I'm walking. That's funny. So I I like the Zoom. I think because Zoom is like FaceTime to me. I'm like, I don't mind a Zoom call like at all. I'm cool with that. I'm fatigued, I think, yeah. from it. I like the in-person <laughs> stuff way more. Because if I have you on speaker, I'm just really, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Not, not paying attention. Because I also that. have to, like, I'm when I'm alone, I have to have either music or a podcast, like, just really? playing. Or, like, when I'm working, I always have my earphones in just to, like, focus. Wow. I think I always need to hear sound. Is that a sign of ADD? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It might be. Or the opposite or something. I don't know. Clue. So when I'm on speaker or when I'm, like, talking to a friend and I'm on speaker, like, you can hear, like, my blender going off. <laughs> <laughs> me doing the laundry and like my friends are always like are you listening I'm like yeah 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 you're like yeah kind yeah, of course I am yeah. <laughs> 60% yeah <laughs> well this podcast is about the creator economy and mm-hmm. influencers which we've talked mostly about like media traditional media mm-hmm. how did you get the following you have on your social media is that from 106 and Park because you've got a, a million I followers bought it no I'm just yes. <laughs> here's just how to totally buy play. your followers yeah. bought it bought every single one of them. no I'm just playing <laughs> It was. It was because of the majority of it was the following of 106. And then I think people were just genuinely interested in my career, what I was doing, the interviewing style, having people follow me because that's what they wanted to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that just was like the general surplus of people. It's mm-hmm. just a fan base, just a, a yeah. really cool fan base that has grown with Who me. Who listened and yeah. watched you through the years. Yeah, it's a nostalgic thing when you press that follow button when you yeah it's me they're like oh I remember her or oh, yeah. oh I know her from and yeah whatever tv shows alter ego or now GMA you know they're like oh I know her so yeah you know and they follow and that in itself is like another piece of your business now right like you have this following and community yeah. and at what point did you realize you could monetize that after speaking to Jess you know we got <laughs> together and she was like no <laughs> I will say this For traditional media people, I think it is a little bit more challenging to focus in on monetizing an audience for a brand because sometimes you've been so accustomed to being part of a brand organization Mm -hmm. network to be creating your own brand. It's like, okay, 
this is different. But what I do like about it is that it, it gives me the opportunity to show my personality and my interest and what I'm into and and what I share with, with my group and with my following. I wasn't even with something there. So within the last two years and really, really honing in the last year is like really trying to understand this creative space. Because I've always been infatuated, I guess, with like the influencer lifestyle. I think the first influencer I ever really met was Amisung. And I was like, oh, this oh, yeah, is cool. You, I'm like, you do what? Huh? <laughs> How? And yeah. this was like on a trip to, we were on a trip. Where were we? In Morocco uh, for the tourism board. And she was there. And I'm like, what are you doing here? It was like a group of influencers. <laughs> and I'm the only like, like national reporter there. Yeah. And they, and I'm I'm like, they just pictures and they just post on Instagram. This is amazing. And they get paid. Why? Yeah. And they get paid. What? What do you do? Wait, what? Yeah. And I became infatuated with it. And then once you start seeing you can actually create a business for yourself, the entrepreneurship mentality of it is, is something new and exciting to me. And something that this generation 1000% owns better than, you know, mm-hmm. some of us on the other XYZ generations before. <laughs> I don't even know what letter or number I am, Roman numeral. So it's just really cool to me. It's really, really cool. And I'm I, learning. I'm totally learning it. I could talk about media and interviewing and all that thing. Yeah. But you start talking influencer stuff to me. I'm like, I'm trying. Yeah. Just knows. I'm like, I, we, I, what do I you want me to do? No, you know? but I so, also think but, those yeah. roles have kind of merged mm-hmm. at this point. Like you said, I think we briefly chatted on about it. Like I see red carpet correspondence now that started from being an influencer yeah. and kind of wanted to go that hosting route. So it's like opposite routes of mm-hmm. like where you started in traditional media and you continued and mm-hmm. now you're exploring influencer. How has that made you, or like, how have you kind of navigated that too? Well, I'll say this, like, it definitely has changed the look of who's on the red carpet. I personally don't find the red carpet as exclusive as it used to be anymore, because I feel like everybody's on it now, you know what I'm saying? But that is where the audience is now. The audience is on social media. So you have to get those people that have the following and the viewers, the following, but also the audience who cares about that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't follow or watch Camila Coelho. I think that's how you say her name. I wouldn't follow her to watch her interview people at the Oscars red carpet. Right. Because she's I, not about pop culture. Exactly. She's about fashion, fashion right. and makeup and beauty. Right. But if there are those that are interviewing podcasters, entertainment and stuff like that, and they end up on the red carpet and then they have the same following, Nas Perez being one of them, but she works at Rotten Tomatoes too, but she's always posting on her on her account, I would watch her and that I would think sense. she's credible. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of networks have done is they're finding these influencers, these young voices, these creators bringing them on underneath their umbrella in the network, which I think is super smart and using their audience to help the networks out. Because nowadays you have people that have more followers and viewerships than they watch, than a network watching a television show. It's, it's crazy. So nobody cares. Nobody, linear television is not going to be around here for a very long time. So creating your own space to watch whatever you want, or you have your followers and your audience follow you that's really where the key is right mm-hmm. now. And so that's why, to me, being able to be a creator is super important in every facet, you know? Yeah. So it's it's just, it's changed. It's definite. I've lost jobs to, to creators on mm-hmm. Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that because 
you know, they felt like that was the route they wanted to go. The only key thing is, is that you don't have that traditional training. Yeah. So as a creator, any creator that wants to get into the television route or, or that route, I would just say, learn how to talk to the big camera, not just your little phone camera. Mm. It's a very, very big difference of talking through to that audience and knowing how to talk to somebody else because most of the times you're by yourself talking yeah. to the camera. Right. But what happens when somebody else comes into the mix? Can you hold that interview conversation? Mm-hmm. So there's there's definitely tricks to the trade at the end of the day. Yeah. I think it's like two different skill sets, yeah. but it ends up being those like key values, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a community that cares about couples? about pop culture. Yeah. And are you able to speak to other people in an interview style where it's not just you sitting alone in your room with a camera? Exactly. Um, So I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Like I would watch Rocky Barnes at any fashion show talking fashion. Right. I don't think I would watch her interviewing. He knows. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be like, If she was, they are the new lifestyle editors. They're the new lifestyle beauty writers and, you know, reviewers and Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. They're the new that, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just knowing, knowing your, your, your lane. But that doesn't mean you can't create that lane for now. If if Rocky Barnes was talking to Paris Hilton about beauty and makeup and stuff, oh, I'm watching. Yeah. I totally get it, you know. But doesn't mean you can't step outside the lane and bring those same people that you're interested in into your world and sometimes use your world to be able to cross promote things mm-hmm. at yeah. the end of the day. And I think the path to getting on TV now is like, like you said, it's, it's, it can come from so many different ways. Like whether it's like traditional training, you go to college for it, that's mm-hmm. your route. Or if you, you know, start on TikTok or Instagram or yeah. YouTube, you're a creator and that's the route you want to go on and you're laser focused. Yeah. And that could be your route. Yeah. I think it's, I think that some traditional training is always good. But what I do like now is as a creator, you're learning so much stuff that can really bring you on to different levels of careers if you want. There's so many people don't realize how amazing they are at editing and where that editing career can take you to mm-hmm. somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? So like an actual real big production, you know, mm-hmm. and so many companies now hiring those social media experts. Yeah you know, editors and all that because they don't know what they're doing. Like, they don't know what they're doing. So they need the younger generation to come in and take the lead. Yeah. It's like all blended, right? Like mm-hmm. the traditional it and, is. and the new yeah. media. It's it like is. all one and the same in, in yeah. some regards. Just like everything else. Right. Times change and you just yeah. try to keep up you with it. You have to evolve. So, like a chameleon. Yeah. yeah. What does that mean for you and like your evolution as a creator? You talked about maybe launching a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, it is. It is coming. My podcast is called Before We Move On, okay. which is is pretty much before we move on to the next story, before we move on to the next week, before we move on to the next five years. You know, it's all uh, topical topics that we should be probably focused on from major news uh, stories, because at the end of the day, I am a journalist and the news cycle is always really entertaining to me and entertainment as well, entertainment news. But also before we move on to the next three years of financial planning in our life, and as as a 40-year-old now, it's like, what does that retirement look like? What is, you know, HELOC and mortgage, like Mm -hmm. all of these mortgage things, house questions, Mm -hmm. DIY question, foundation, like all these questions that we just may have in life. And before we move on to the next thing, let's address this, Yeah, you know? So I like it because it's an overall broad 
podcast and mm-hmm. I can really just talk about the things that I feel like talking about. Yeah. Are yeah. you self-producing that? Or I am. Wow. I am self-producing it. So again, I'm going to be calling you guys probably <laughs> yeah. for a lot of podcast advice. It. Yeah. Um, but it's been a long time coming. A lot of people have been asking me, why don't you have a podcast? And really it's just been like, I don't know. Why? So, It'll, but I, I mean, your voice alone, it's like, I'm I know, you could do ASMR, honestly. That's an amazing, I listen, I sometimes get into trance listen to the ASMR people. Oh, I I'm like, love oh my gosh. ASMR. It puts yeah. me like straight to sleep. It you really don't is. like it, right, I don't Jess? I love it. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. someone who like listens to sounds all the time, yeah. you would think I would. I don't know. Yeah. There's some, what ASMR do you listen to? Like nails? I, I like the nails. Talks. I like, yeah, when they're opening like beauty packages mm-hmm. and like, the nails. Yeah. Oh, like, interesting. Super weird. Yeah. I okay. Like so that. when is your podcast launching? What's the um, hopefully we're going to be launching within the next two months. Okay. So I'm super excited. We're just locking down the branding and stuff like that. And you know, you always want to have a few interviews in your arsenal before yeah. you get out there. So yeah. So yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, super excited. I love that. And it'll you. be interview based. So you'll interview, interview people. Okay. Yeah. Interview based, interview based, topical based, but really just lifestyle oriented and topic oriented for whatever's happening in the news cycle. And mm-hmm. how can we really like make that relate to us or how is it affecting us, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. We're such in a scroll lifestyle and habit that we're scrolling through stories that are really affecting us and will affect our future at the same time, too. So it's mm-hmm. like before you move on to that next story and before you move on throughout your day. Yeah. You should probably know about this. You should probably know, you know, how the latest bill right now with the birth control pill is mm-hmm. going to affect women across the country. You should probably know how, you know, this election cycle coming up is going to affect us. Or you should probably know as California residents how all of this rain will be affecting, you know, our insurance plans or stuff like this. So it's these things and these topics and conversations that we should probably be focused on that we probably don't focus on. Yeah. Because we're scrolling on to the next story. Yeah. I love that. I love it. You're, ma- you're bringing news in a digestible way. Digestible news. Kind of like, like, sk- like skims, right? Which is like the, is that what it's called? Skim? The skim? I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have to get up on Anyways. my podcast too. Like, no, that's that a podcast not a podcast. Show? No, it's basically like, I think I'm saying it right. The app? skim. It takes like every like news headline mm-hmm. and basically congests it into one newsletter. Oh. oh wow. It's it's, it's yeah. like what Apple News does basically. then too. Like you pick yeah. your favorite features and then yeah. 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 It's, well, then it's my own favorite features. Yes. I'm, I'm making everybody take my news. This yes. is what I want to say. It's my own news network. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I also saw you're maybe launching a brand, right? I am. Okay. That Talk is to us about that. something I'm really excited about. Can't say the name yet, but I'm formulating tanning bronzing products that really complement brown and black girls. So uh, oh. the problem that usually happens, not just brown and black girls, but girls to complement your skin type or your skin tone. Mm-hmm. Myself being a really bronze tan girl, I usually try to use different products, whether it's sunscreen, sunscreen being one of the main ones, or highlighters or bronzers, and they don't match, they don't really, really complement my skin. They're either got too much of the pearl iridescent and mm-hmm. it looks more ashy on me than it yeah. does, you know, like nice and shiny. And so I just feel like those with more melanin in their skin are underserviced in the major beauty markets. I think it's gotten a lot better now, mm-hmm. but I like to look like a sun goddess 365. So <laughs> well, when, you do. So yeah, whenever you, you launch, like yeah. happy to buy some. It's really. going to be bronzing. It's very bronze tan 
focus. And it's about you wanting to look like your sun kissed 365. And that's really, so everything under the sun is yeah. going to be happening with my products. I'm really excited Ooh, about it. I love this. Like you've spent so many years working on other people's brands and companies. And yeah. now it's like, it's your moment. You're yeah, launching your, your own podcast, your own brand. You're working on your content. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's super fun. I, I'm super excited about it. And so, yeah, again, it just goes to what you naturally like and mm-hmm. you could talk about for hours and Tanning is one thing that I can talk about for hours and <laughs> the things I do to tan, the things I do to stay tan yeah. uh, and sun-kissed. And then the products that I use to look sun-kissed and tan 365, I can go on for days for that and list the products. But it's like, why not make your own Make product? your own. Yeah. Make, make some own. money while yeah. you're talking about it, right? Why not? Well, this was fantastic. Thanks Thank you for, for joining me. us. Thank Where can people you. follow you? At Roxy Diaz, that's R-O-C-S-I-D-I-A-Z on all platforms. You got it, on all platforms? Um, on, yeah, the Twitters, the Instagrams, yeah. the TikToks, the... It's lucky. That yeah, is lucky. The, you just make sure you... It might not have a blue check come 420, <laughs> but that is me. It's <laughs> my name. I don't think I'll be using that platform that much anymore. But Twitter. Not that I ever do. Yeah. 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 Because like, uh, everyone will lose them unless they pay for them. Exactly. Yeah. I don't care. You can have yeah. it. I'm like, you can have it. Have it, Elon. Yeah. You, whatever. Yeah, literally. So, yeah. Thank it. you. This is great. Thank Thanks, you guys for having Roxy. me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>